When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Happy Tuesday, episode 438. Um, today, we're going to talk to Evan. Uh, coach Steger is going to do the next couple interviews on Tuesday and Wednesday. We're going to talk to, to, to Matt Lewis about, uh, you know, have an interview with him, talk to him about basketball and kind of his philosophy. Um, but before we jump into that, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish. Um, they've been a sponsor 2019. We really do appreciate it. And the reason they are is because we truly believe in their product. It's a great shooting machine. Their customer service is second to none. So make sure you go over and check them out. Mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $300 off your next purchase. We would appreciate that. Also, make sure you go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. You know, it, it, it's if you want to support the, this podcast, that's how we do it. You know, we, we do this podcast um, to, to give back to the game of basketball. But if you'd like to give back to us and all the time it takes to put these podcasts out, we would appreciate that. And you, one way you can do that is um, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. All right, let's head off to the podcast. Okay. Hi, this is Coach Steger here. I'm Coach Unplugged. I have the luxury of... Uh, interviewing a former player and author, Eric Price. Eric Price is the author of the book called Full Court Press, a young basketball prodigy's journey. Eric grew up playing basketball against stars like Steph Curry and AAU teammates of many NBA players. At age 10 years old, Eric was rated number one player in the world, Uh, but the game didn't work out for him. His book explains his journey, and every coach and basketball fan should read it. So uh, I'd like to welcome Eric today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, man. Um, so Eric, uh, can you kind of give the listeners a little bit about your basketball journey? Um, yeah, so my basketball journey began, uh, really, really early when I was about the age of five years old. Um, I discovered that, you know, basketball was kind of my passion. That was the thing that kind of really, um, allowed me to, to be a kid, um, and enjoy it. Um, when I got about eight years old, um, I 
a lot of people realized that I was becoming really, really good. Um, people um, like my peers, but not only peers, um, adults as well. Um, so me being at that age, I didn't really know how good I was. I just knew that I loved the game of basketball. Um, so I played my first um, boys club game at about nine years old. Um, I played on a 10 and under team and my first game, I scored 26 points. Um, so from then on, I knew that um, basketball would be something that would be um, a part of my life. Um, after that, um, I became really, really good at about 10 years old. Um, like you said and mentioned, um, I was ranked the number one player in the world by the basketball media. Um, so I was really uh, focused on basketball then at that age. Um, that was the, my number one thing um, every day uh, besides academics. Uh, it was always academics and basketball. Um, so I, I grew up and I went in the D.C. area. I grew up um, and I went to Gonzaga High School, uh, which is one of the most prestigious high schools in the nation. Um, I ended up transferring to Montrose Christian uh, High School, which is even a more prestigious basketball uh, program uh, who was directed under the legendary coach Stu Vetter. Um, and then um, from there, things kind of got um, rocky as far as after my high school career. Um, I was getting recruited uh, by a lot of a lot of colleges and things of that sort. Um, but being from the neighborhood that I grew up in um, and a number of other, you know, factors, um, it kind of uh, took a toll right then and there. Okay. So why did you decide to write your book? Obviously, everybody um, has a mission in regards to when they write a memoir because it really is your story. Uh, I think any basketball fan like myself or coaches and all the other things and insights that you give us around the AAU circuit, around uh, the game of high school basketball and all the things that can, you can learn from this book. Uh, I'm surprised that more people, I mean, this book isn't hit the market and people are, aren't, aren't talking about it on ESPN because there's so many facets and, and things that are just the information and the plethora of information given of all the things that can happen um, as, mm -hmm. a, as a young star is just something that is a great insight for people. So ultimately, why did you decide to write the book? Um, that's a great question. I decided to write my book um, because I wanted to share my story of resilience. Um, I have a lot of friends that are, like you had mentioned, that are in the NBA, but I also have a lot of friends who um, I grew up with that, you know, didn't go to the NBA or didn't, you know, uh, live luxurious lifestyles and things of that sort. So I wanted to tell my story of resilience because whether you're playing basketball, whether you're going to work every day, whether you're uh, a farmer, whether you're, no matter what you're doing in life, um, there's going to be a time in your life where um, you're going to face an unexpected challenge. And whether those challenges are deserved or not, um, I think resilience is the key to being able to um, maintain your uh, a healthy lifestyle. So I wanted to tell my story um, of resilience. That's uh, the number one reason that I wrote my book. Um, the second reason is because there's a lady, um, I grew up in a rough neighborhood in D.C. called Sersum Quarter. And we partnered, uh, Georgetown University was really close up in proximity to the neighborhood. Um, so we were part, uh, Sersum Quarter would partner up with Georgetown tutors and they would come into the community and um, teach the kids um, how to read and write and things of that sort and just work with them um, academically. Um, and I met my, my mentor, Kristen White, when I was about five years old. Um, she's the co-author actually of my book. Um, she has a best-selling book of her own as well. Um, so we teamed up. Um, and, and wrote the book together. But um, one thing that I want to say is that she actually taught me how to read. By the time I was six years old, I was reading on a, a second grade reading level and very proficiently. Um, so I think it's kind of ironic 
um, that we came back full circle as adults um, and kind of put this uh, piece together. Um, I thought that was uh, really unique as well. So um, those are, you know, probably the, the, the main reasons why I wrote the book. Awesome. Uh, so um, basically, why do you think you were so successful at a young age as a basketball player? Um, I, I think because I was not only was I talented, but I, I, I was hungry. Um, I can remember being 10 years old, um, being one of the most hungriest players on the court. Um, I always thought that no one could guard um, me between me and the basket, that no one person could guard me no matter who it was. So that was always my mentality. Um, so that, that's, probably, that's probably it. Um, so, you know, ultimately learned some of the reasons, but what do you think ultimately was that uh, stopped your progress? Because you were, you were getting all these uh, big high prestige offers from uh, schools like Memphis at the time that John Calipari, I mean, uh, originally you, uh, you had a, a verbal commitment to go there. Um, so what do you think ultimately stopped your progress in making, making your dreams in regard to the game of basketball? Um, sure. There, there's a, a number of factors. Um, and I think the number one factor, and I've never, I've never said this publicly and I've had, you know, numerous inter interviews and things of that sort, but AAU basketball can be a nightmare for some people, especially for, and that's, an, this is another reason why I wrote the book because there are a lot of skilled athletes that are going to go on to, you know, um, get division one scholarships, but, they're, they might be in a single parent household like how I was when, you know, my mom was just there. So you might have coaches, different coaches and things coming up um, to my mom as far as, you know, recruiting and things of this sort, um, telling them things that, you know, that they know she wants to hear. So it's always about having someone on that level, um, each, each level of your life um, that you can actually look up to. I was fortunate enough to have a good AU coach and my coach, uh, Rob Jackson. Yes. Um, he was a he was a very, very good man. So I kind of looked up to him. And a lot of people don't understand um, when you're that age, when you're a teenager, you need a male role model to look up to. So if you have bad guys in your corner or bad guys on your AU team or circuit, then it's, it's going to kind of suck you in. Um, so I think uh, to answer your question, what, what made me um, what, what put me as a halt was the the battling of the coaches. And when I'm when I'm talking about coaches, I'm talking about the high school coaches versus the AU coach, uh, for instance, my ninth grade year, I went to Gonzaga. I ended up going to five different high schools, and this is why. Um, AU basketball, I felt, uh, got me on the scene. It got me ranked the number one player in the world, so I always felt the commitment to AU to always play in the summertime. Um, so I started playing AU at about 10 years old. But by the time I got 13, I was, on, I was, I was in high school. I had skipped a grade um, early um, in middle school, and I was a 13-year-old freshman. Um, so that was really the change where I, I was in high school and I, my, my coaches wanted me to play summer league basketball for my high school. So it was kind of a conflict between summer league and AU basketball. So at the, at the end of every season, um, when summertime came around, I had to find a new school to go to because my coaches basically gave me the ultimatum of, look, you're either going to play with your school for the summer and not play AU basketball and you're gonna, or you're going to have to find another school to go to because they, you know, wanted to build off the camaraderie from, you know, the season before and things of that sort. So it was a lot of juggling with that. Um, also, um, I didn't know this until I became an adult, but there was a feud between um, Coach Calipari um, at the time and my coach Joe Mantegna, um, who was at uh, Blair Academy in New Jersey. Um, the year before, uh, Charlie Villanueva, um, I think I went to Villanova, and Luol Deng had signed with, with Duke. Um, and I think Calipari had either won at one of the two or maybe both. Um, so there was some type of feud 
um, going in uh, with them. Uh, going into Blair Academy my junior year, I had already committed to play for John Calipari at Memphis. Um, I didn't really know until Mr. Mantagna uh, pulled me into his office and basically uh, talked me into decommitting from uh, Memphis, who he was a head coach at the time. Um, so it was just little things like that, little mix-ups, and, you know, word of mouth will get back that, uh, you know, this kid isn't loyal, and, you know, people trying to name shame and things like that. Right. Um, so that's another reason why I wrote the book, because one thing that I always did was I always took advantage of my education. So no matter what school system I was in, like a prestigious school like Gonzaga, or uh, Blair Academy or something like that. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying that. Um, if you could, right now, leave us a review. Even if it's just a five-star review, that's great. Or if it's a written review, I read every one of them. They do mean a lot to us, no matter where you listen, especially on iTunes. Um, also, make sure you go over and check out ttubes.com for coaches who want to get better. We're all kind of creeping up. We can see basketball season off there in the in the horizon. Um, can't imagine a better time to come join before the, all the changes that are going to be happening happen. Um, also, if you would like to help us out um, in any shop, do any shopping in Amazon, you can click our Amazon link down below. And that would be one way. Um, every time you purchase something, we get a, a little, uh, little kickback and, you know, as an affiliate link. So I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Let's get back to it. I was always a sponge. So I always soaked in information and I always, you know, was aware of my surroundings. Um, so that's another thing that, you know, really made me really good in basketball. Um, and in life as well. So that was one thing that no one could, you know, ever take away from me was my education. So I just wanted to, I, I felt like I had something to prove. Um, a lot of people thought I was, a, um, they tried to bury me. They just didn't know I was a C. So I just wanted to show people, you know, what I could do. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the reason why I, I, I think that's a huge point in the book, especially for coaches and reading about your book. And, you know, the one question I have is why do you think those high school coaches were so against you playing AAU in the summer? Because I just, I don't understand, you know, from a coach, from my standpoint, I coached varsity basketball for five years. Mm -hmm. Now I'm an assistant and so forth. And it seems like it now and now and ever people have just kind of accepted, but in the book, it seemed like it was a constant battle of the AAU circuit between and the yeah. high school circuit. Yeah. Was that mm -hmm. just a time period when you were a high school player, or is that like that in the East Coast? Do you think the um, that, that, that's a great question? I think it was maybe just a, a DMV, a, a DC thing. Um, it, it happened when I was at Gonzaga. Um, it even got even more severe when I was at Montrose Christian. Um, it got so severe that. Um, my dream was always to play for Duke, so I wanted to go to Duke ever since, you know, eighth grade. So a lot of coaches um, knew that as well. So a lot of coaches wouldn't, you know, bother recruiting me um, at times. So I can remember at Montrose um, when I, the summer had kicked in and after the season, and he had, you know, Coach Vetter brought me into his office for the end of the season, and he was saying, you know, how he wanted me to play um, with the school team and not play AU. So I told him I was going to play AU. Um, and that day, I'll never forget, I was 14 years old, and he told me that if you walk out of this office and you do not um, play summer league, you will never, ever hear from Duke again. Um, so I went on to um, – that's actually, that was the year um, where I left, and I had to go to uh, Blair Academy because of that. And if you, you match the dates up, that's why I actually called Calipari and committed to Memphis because I knew that um, he was serious about what he said. And I never actually heard from Duke ever again after that. Yeah, um, I found that really, really 
um, mind blowing when I read about oh, yeah, that. Yeah, that was very true. Mm-hmm. And so much inter- interconnections with so many programs and so so ultimately when when I look at the focus is what can coaches learn from your from your book and your story? If you were in the eyes of a coach, what what can coaches learn from your story to help out their team or their athletes um, from your story? Um, one thing I could I could definitely probably say um, if if to coaches especially is be there for the kid be genuine to the kid because no matter where the kid ends up if the kid ends up in the nba if the kid ends up with a high-paying job if the kid ends up with the low-paying job he's gonna need that guidance that you know you you have those kids at a very important age so it's really important to teach resilience and also to um to just be honest and open because not only are you our kids looking up to you as a coach they're looking up to you um as a role model so I can remember, you know, just vividly mimicking people that I wanted to um, to grow up and be like. So, and it really made me uh, successful in life, just practicing good habits. So, just um, just being a change that you wish to see um, is something I would tell the coaches. Um, I'm a school teacher now, so I do that with my kids, and my kids really get along with me. Um, I teach high school English and math, um, and a lot of my kids get really get along well with me because. Um, they're able to relate to me. Um, they know that I care about them um, and things of that sort. So um, kids really can tell who's there um, for for them in their best interest. So um, that's something that I would really uh, preach to, especially AU coaches. So what about um, a high school coach and dealing with a high caliber player like yourself at that time? Uh, and you, uh, you know, obviously it hindered your career by transferring so many times in uh, five high schools. What recommendation do you give to, say, a coach that's got a really high caliber player at a high school? What's the best way to deal with a player of, of that standpoint, do you think, in regards to your program? Um, just let the kid play. Um, if, if you're if he's a high school coach and he's he's attending your high school, you know that you have the kids. So um, just let the kid play. Don't try to restrict the kid or lock a kid in because that that's how you mess with the kid's psyche. You know, um, kids want to be kids at the end of the day. All kids want to do well naturally. Um, some just don't know how to. So never pressure that kid to you know um a box that kid and thinking that um it's about them because ultimately it's a, it's about that kid at the end of the day. So if the kid wants to be exposed and play basketball, um, I think that he should play basketball. Um, a lot of high school coaches will argue to me that the kids need discipline and there's no discipline in AU and things of that sort. Well, I mean, there's, there's bad things everywhere. So at the end of the day, um, I think the best way to look at it is just to, you know, kind of let a kid be a kid and just um, let him get as much exposure as, as possible. Yeah. And so, you know, we constantly talk about the battle of AAU, not AAU. From your experience, are you a fan of AAU? Do you think if it fits everybody or do you think it's for a certain, certain, a certain mold of kid or what, do, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I definitely think AAU, um, especially when I was playing, going to Nike camp and all of those, you know, um, seminars and things like that. I can I can remember those uh, things helping me academically. So I'm not against AAU, but I am against bad people. And there are a lot of bad people in AAU. There are bad people in high school as well. So, you know, I'm not kind of against um, any, you know, level of competition of basketball, but I'm just against, you know, those bad people who are, you know, using up the kids and, um, gaining, gaining things of that sort. Um, if you feel that way about AU, you should feel that way about the NCAA. I mean, it's, a, it's the same thing. Um, ultimately, uh, they're not paying the kids. Kids are sacrificing their bodies and, and things of that sort. So it's kind of the same thing. You just need to, to be around good people. 
I think that's a great point. I think um, the, I think one of the whole overall themes that I get from your book and why coaches really need to address even all their players is making sure they're hanging out with the right players. So exactly uh, and right people, you know, and there's bad people in the high school circuit. There's bad people in the AAU mm-hmm. circuit. Um, and, you know, you were part of that 2% or 3% of athletes that end up going uh, to, to play at the high level, you know, and AAU is obviously a great opportunity for Tim to post, you know. And, um, uh, but for, for your story, what would be the number one advice you give for a young player, um, that's kind of, um, seeking to, uh, move on, uh, move higher level in their, in their game of basketball? Um, I know it sounds like a cliche, but I've, I've been through the fire, man. Like I said, I've been the number one player in the world. So there's, there's not really too much that, you know, speaking competitively that that someone can tell me but what i can tell you for sure is to go to school and get your education man it is nothing more important than to know and and you don't go to school just to get an education school is meant to give you structure um so you know i can remember growing up and just playing basketball and being so good um and when the basketball ended i was i was able to you know rebound because all of those things that uh were taught to me on the basketball court for um, and things of that sort that were taught to me by uh, coach veteran, legendary coaches of that sort. It correlates directly into the working world. So problems that you have on the court, whether you're down by two points and there's three seconds left and you don't even have the ball and you don't think that there's no hope, those things directly correlates with life. So it's, it's going to transfer into a situ- into a real life situation. Um, so I'm so thankful that I was actually gifted with the talent to play basketball because some of those things are, you know, direct, directly correlates with life. Uh, and that's why I love your book so much is I think that, uh, you know, players and coaches need to understand that, you know, we never hardly ever see the, hear the Eric Price story. We hear the Steph Curry story, we hear the Kevin Durant story, exactly, you know, yep. it, it, and the reality is that there's a lot of people that go through your story and that people mm-hmm. don't even know about. You know, or, exactly. or or it's it's the players that we know, like the great Ogan story, you know, because he was a number one draft pick and it, it flopped yeah. for him, you know, but you kind yeah. of, you, you're before that time, but there's a lot of people that have been in your position with not maybe maybe by the right people or, and, and those type of things, but you had your education and people can learn from your story and coaches can explain that story to their players. And that's why I felt like I needed to read your book and do this mm-hmm. podcast interview. And, and I, I just loved your book and it was, it was a great experience. And I'm also a teacher myself. So I'm glad that you're educating people and that's awesome. awesome and, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, at, at this point, that's basically all I have for uh, coach unplugged in your interview. Uh, do you have any other words to say? Or are you pretty good? I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I hope a lot of people tune in. Um, and get this book. Um, it's a really great book. It's a true story. Um, it's an all-out raw story. Uh, there's nothing um left out. It's really uncut. Um, and I did it. I did it for the people. Um, not only for athletes, but parents of athletes. Um, coaches. Um, and things of that sort. People who really need to see the ins and out of high stakes AU uh, basketball. So once again, I just want to thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you, Eric. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. If you did, please go over and leave that five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Acast, wherever you listen to these podcasts. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is my baby. Um, Learn all my secrets of how I was able to win 80% of my high school games, three state titles, multiple conference championships. Um, Let me help you through this great journey we call coaching. All right. Have a great day. 
Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.